Well, it is an absolute delight for Anne and myself to be back with you folks here at New Community Church. It's been four years. Jeff just reminded me actually this morning it's been longer than that since we saw them because last time we were here, uh, Jeff and his dear wife were not here. They were off on, on holiday. We just crossed over the same kind of time of year. So I'm glad we were able to catch you before you took off again this time. So it's a, it's a privilege to be back here because... What we uh, are a part of in Chad, you are all very much a part of as well. When you have a church that partners with you in prayer and finances, and you've been standing behind us, I think, Jeff, almost since the beginning of the founding of the church, uh, in the ministry over there in Chad, what happens over there, you all are part of. And your prayers and giving make a huge difference. And so we just want to thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for your encouragement. We do get emails once in a while from people over here, which... Uh, are always, always an encouragement to hear, and uh, so we continue to encourage you to do that, because we love to hear what's going on in your lives and in the church here as well. So this morning I would like to take some time to just reflect on, on our own lights as children of the King, children of the light, children who follow Jesus who is the light. How are we doing in shining our lights in this world today, whether it be here in the Adelaide region, South Australia, whether we be over in Chad, back in the States, wherever we happen to be, how are we doing as light bearers for the King? And uh, so we want to uh, read, I'm just going to read uh, a brief verse in Matthew chapter 5 to start off with. We'll be looking at a number of scriptures, um, but uh, particularly focusing on this thought. Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus is preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, to all these people sitting on the ground outside and uh, particularly talking to those who are going to be following him. And he says to them, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer once again, please. Thank you, Lord, for the light that you've shed into this world, for the fact that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And you are the light that gives life to all men who put their faith and trust in you. And I pray that as we look at your word today and reflect on uh, the importance of us being lights, the importance of light in this world, that you would just touch our hearts and challenge us And help us to look deep inside and see, Lord, how are we doing as a reflection of who you are in this world. So, Lord, guide us through your word. And may your spirit be the one who speaks today through your servant here. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, It's always good as an organization to have a vision statement. When you don't know what you're shooting at, you're bound to hit it, and that's nothing. And um, so we try to keep a vision statement in front of us in Chad. And once in a while, we review it or update it. So a number of years ago, uh, we went through a a revision process of our statement, and uh, keeping in mind that this statement might go up for public consumption somewhere, so working in a Muslim country, we try to keep it a little bit generic in some of our language, but those of us who understand where we're coming from us understand exactly what we're saying here. We say in Chad, our vision statement for Chad is this, longing for the light of the good news to dispel darkness in all corners of the land, team and Chad, that's our mission, will work hand-in-hand with both national and expatriate believers, people from outside of the country, to establish enduring, reproducing, indigenous communities 
of incarnational light-bearing disciples wherever darkness remains. So wherever we see that there's still darkness in the, in the land of Chad and God says that's where we to go, are to go, we will go there to continue to shed the light of Jesus Christ. Light-bearing, light and life are inseparable. Did you ever realize that uh, in the creation account, God spent two whole days just dealing with the matter of light? Light is a, physical light is an extremely important thing. And in Genesis 1, 1 to 5, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Day 1, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. God was setting the plane for his beautiful creation that he was about to do. Jump ahead a few days to day 4, verses 14 to 19 of Genesis 1. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. We just sang about that uh, a few minutes ago. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, that's the sun, the lesser light to rule the night, that's the moon, and the stars. And God sent them an expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So light was an absolute essential part of God's creation and continues to be an essential part of life to this very day. Light is an amazing thing. Most of us, I would say, dare say, all of us love light. In fact, if someone doesn't enjoy light or doesn't enjoy the sunlight, except for when it's 37 or 40 degrees outside maybe, you want to stay out of the sun, but if we don't like sunlight, usually it's because there's something wrong with us. Maybe we have a migraine. Maybe we've got hypersensitive eyes for some reason, or got conjunctivitis perhaps, or just been to the doctor and they've put these dilution things in your eyes that make your pupils too big, uh, or just have sensitive skin, and so we try to stay away from the light. But normally, we love the light, we enjoy the light and the sun. Light has numerous critical functions in this world. You could probably name more than I can. Here's just a few of them. Photosynthesis, that whole process of turning light into food. Uh, virtually all living beings are independent, are, are totally dependent on light for food and survival. In fact, we're so dependent on light that when the science finds way down the deepest oceans, total pitch blackness, and still find some form of life down there, it just blows us away because we are normally so used to the fact that we need life, we need light for life. Think about your bodies, the vitamin D process in your bodies. Without sunlight, the vitamin D isn't produced in your body properly. Without vitamin D, your bones don't take in the calcium that they need. That's my simple layman's way of explaining it. And so your bones will be brittle. They can break easier if you don't have light and that whole process going on. Think about sight, the whole process of vision. Without any light, there's just no sight. You just don't see. And sight is a major informer of our brains. Uh, people who are blind are handicapped because they... Their other height senses are certainly heightened, but they are still missing what they don't see. And so vision, so vision needs light. It's, it's essential. Think about the beauty of everything around us. Color. 
without light, there's no color. And, uh, and color doesn't exist in darkness. So you need the light for color. Our body clocks, the whole cycle of day and night, needs light, good health. Depends on being able to sleep properly uh, and uh, stay awake during the day, sleep at night. For those who do shift work, they get all mixed up. And, and sometimes it can, have a, it can actually have a, a, a negative bearing on your, on your body as well because the body clocks depend upon light. Think about the whole process of evaporation and sun and rain and mist and, and rivers and oceans and that whole cycle of, of, um, of rain that we've learned about in school depends upon the sun and the way light circles. And then over the years, men have learned how to harness the power of light, starting way back when they would just take a stick and put a fire on it and go into the caves, you know. Um, but now, then they discover the light bulb, and now you have UV light that they use for all kinds of testing, and solar panels that take the sunlight and create electricity to make more light, and spectroscopes that can do all kinds of testing, and lasers, and fiber optics, and on and on you go. It's all from light. So it's a no wonder then that because of the importance and power of light in the physical realm <clears throat> and the extreme contrast between light and dark, it was interesting the other day, my wife and I, Ann and I, were in a cave and at one point uh, down in our court and at one point they just turned off the lights so that we could actually get a feeling for total darkness and it is really, really dark. You can't even see your hand like that in front of your face. And... Um, uh, the whole contrast between light, between light and darkness is so stark that it's no wonder that it's become a primary metaphor in the scriptures, a spiritual metaphor for the difference between good and evil, for the difference between right and wrong, what is constructive and what is destructive, between God and his archenemy, Satan. So what is the importance of spiritual light then? Spiritual light, I would dare say, is even more important than physical light. It gives, just as physical light gives life to the body, spiritual light gives life to the soul. And without that, men wither up, they become angry, they become resentful, hateful, lonely, sick, and desperate, and finally will die. So it's a no wonder that people across the world seek to overcome that darkness in their souls that they sense there because they don't have spiritual light. They seek to fill that in all sorts of ways. They look for their own inner light through meditation or other futile pursuits. They seek to drown, or perhaps they seek to drown their darkness in things like substance abuse, sexual gratification, puerile busyness, pleasure, riches, or others just give themselves over to the darkness and get caught up in all kinds of devious things. So for the sake of our discussion this morning, look at the scriptures on a spiritual light, what kind of a definition can we give to the concept of spiritual light? What is spiritual light? Um, I'm sure we could come up with different definitions amongst us, but I've, uh, I've come up with one after reading various things that's just very simple, uh, and I would like to call it the active presence of the living God in our lives. That's spiritual light. The active presence of the living God in our lives as we interact with him and he interacts with us. That is spiritual light. And you see that in the creation when God created Adam and Eve and he placed them in the garden and everything was perfect, everything was beautiful, there was no sin. They walked and they talked with God on a daily basis. They had personal fellowship with him. And then when they disobeyed God, the lights went out. Genesis 3, 8 to 11 says... Adam and Eve, and that's after they've been tempted by Satan and given into the temptation. 
and disobeyed God, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and he said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree, of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And then he goes on and he talks to the serpent, Satan, and he talks to the woman, and he talks to the man. He curses Satan and he hands out the consequences, dire consequences, to the, to, the, to the man and to his wife. The result would be eventually physical spiritual, and spiritual death. And then at the end of all of that, he drove man out of the garden. And it says he drove them out. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. They had lost their spiritual light, and now they no longer had the right to life, meaning eternal life, meaning eternal presence, being eternally in the presence of God. They had been disconnected from the living God, and so they no longer had spiritual life. The active presence of the living God was no longer in their lives. But you know, if that was where the story stopped, we would be all without hope. We'd be all totally lost. But I'm just so glad that the rest of the Bible, from Genesis 3 on, is all about how God went about restoring that, that light in our lives. All about restoring our relationship with Him. And uh, it started right there in Genesis chapter 3. In fact, uh, we could spend hours just looking. In fact, that's what I did for many years, just walking our pastors through the Scriptures, looking at that path of salvation, the promise of a Savior who was going to come, and how God had laid out through the Scriptures and through the years the plan of salvation, salvation of grace through faith. And God worked to reconcile mankind to Himself through all those years and preparing the way for the Savior to come. But it started right there in the garden. It started with God's kindness and promising, if you recall in that passage, that one day as He cursed Satan... He says, one day the seed of the woman is going to come and is going to crush your head. You will bite his heel, but he will crush your head. In other words, you will be defeated, Satan. You will be defeated. And that promise was the seed of the woman, which the Scriptures then takes and develops and shows us that that is who Jesus was and Jesus is. And then when he, before he set them outside the garden, what did, Jesus, what did God do? He took an animal. We don't know what kind of an animal it was, but he took an animal and he killed that animal. He shed that animal's blood. And he took that skin, and with that skin he made clothes for them and covered them. Covered their nakedness, which was now the symbol of their sinfulness, a symbol of their separation from God. But he covered it. And in that way demonstrated to them that he still loved them and that he was going to prepare a way eventually for a final sacrifice to come and cover their sins and take their sins away once and for all. And so scriptures develops the whole the whole theme of the sacrificial system in, in, the, in the Old Testament going on to Jesus being the Lamb of God. And so <clears throat> the Scriptures is riddled now with references to light and darkness as this theme develops and as God prepares the way to restore light to this world that will bring us back into life once again. And so I love the passage in Luke chapter 1, verse 76 to 79, the day that I say, the, the, day I, the, day, the day that light broke back through again into this darkened world. In Luke chapter 1, you have the story of John the Baptist and, and, uh, and uh, the angel appearing to John's father, Zechariah, in the temple. 
he was a priest and said he was, his wife was going to have a baby. She was well beyond childbirth years. He didn't believe him. And so God made him dumb. He couldn't speak. And he wouldn't speak until the baby was born. And now we find ourselves in Luke chapter 1, verse 76, where they're at the naming ceremony, where they're dedicating John to the Lord, and they're giving him his name, and they think they should name him Zachariah. And, and uh, Elizabeth says, no, his name is John. They said, well, what do you think, Zachariah? And as he begins to make his signals, all of a sudden he gets his speech back, and he says, no, his name is John, because that's what God told him to name him. And then this is what he says about this child, John. He says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So John was going to prepare the way for the light who was going to bring life back into this world and who was going to reconnect us with God, our Creator. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14 gives us the description of who this light was, of who Jesus was. And the whole passage there is talking about Jesus. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, this is still talking about Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Hang on to that phrase. We'll come back and look at that phrase in a minute. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, once again, that's Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus himself said in testimony about himself in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. One of those famous I am statements of who Jesus is. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not be in darkness, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in John chapter 9, verse 5, he says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The tragedy is, as John chapter 1 told us, the tragedy is that men have resisted the light and rejected the truth, preferring darkness to light. They preferred not to walk in the presence of their Creator God. And so they continued to push back against all that the light exposes around them. Jesus, the Word, the light, the truth, was rejected by His own. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus himself spoke to this in John chapter 3. He says, uh, verses 18 to 21, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, 
But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And so it's no wonder that people run from the light, because this world is evil and increasingly evil. One of the (laughs) not-so-dubious privileges we have in Chad sometimes is to use outhouses. When we're out, especially away from uh, the city and in the bush and places, there's often just a drop hole. That's all we got. Now, you go out to these drop holes at nighttime and you like to put your torch on, the cockroaches just go everywhere like that. It's just, it's just icky. But anyway, it, it's a vivid picture of men, isn't it? When they run from the light because of their sinfulness. When the light of the gospel is shown on them, when they're introduced to Jesus and who he is and what he's done for them, and then it exposes their sin, the natural reaction of the man of men is to run the other way. And so unless God draws them, they will run the other way. Men tried to snuff out this light by crucifying Jesus on the cross. That's how much they hated it. But because there was no darkness in Jesus, though he bore our own sin, our own darkness, in his body on the cross, death could not hold him. Hell could not overcome him. The prince of darkness became powerless when he came face to face with the light. The light of life defeated Satan, and three days later, he rose again from the dead. And that now is where our life is. That's where our hope is. And the death and the resurrection of Jesus, who paid for our sin to take away our darkness and to give us hope and to give us forgiveness. This battle is the one that rages on in our souls even to this day. It rages on in the souls of those who rejected the light. It rages on in our own souls, those of us who accepted the light, because we still have a sinful nature that battles with the evil in the world around us. This battle rages on in the world around us, and yet victory can be and is ours in the cross. So, dear friends, whatever darkness you may be facing today, I don't know all of you. I would presume that most of you, if not all of you, have already put your faith and trust in Jesus. There may be some who are here who have not done that. And if you've never put your faith or your trust in Jesus as the light, the one who can bring forgiveness to your sins, the one who can bring you out of the darkness of your soul, of your world, today is a day to trust Jesus and ask Him to forgive you and to thank Him for His pardon, His forgiveness that comes through His death on the cross and His resurrection. Today is a day. Talk to the pastor, one of the elders. They'd be more than happy to talk with you about that and help you come face to face with the light of light that's Jesus. But you know, for those of us who are walking with Jesus, there are often times where we have, still have darkness of the soul. Days that are really deep and difficult. Things that we've gone through that are really hard to, hard to get through. And Jesus is still the same light. He's the one that can go down to those deepest parts of your world, whatever they may have been, wherever you may have come from, whatever secrets might be there. He is the one that can get down there and heal them. If you'll just ask Jesus to get down there and work with you and uncover those things in your life and deal with those things in your life that are, just, that are still a part of the darkness, if you would, of your soul. He is the healer. He is the one who sheds light and who could bring... Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Isn't that correct? 
that abundant life that he wants us to have. And he can take care of that darkness of your soul, whatever it might be. So trust him to do that. So now as those who have been saved through faith, because of God's grace, uh, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. But he also said that you are the light of the world. When he left this world, no longer physically in it, he gave that commission to each one of us who are his children to be the lights in this world. What kind of lights are we? Jesus, in speaking to his followers, as we read in Matthew chapter 5 already, said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Now, wouldn't that be a silly thing to do? <laughs> but sometimes that's what Christians do. They have the light of Jesus in them, and yet they go hide it under a basket. At work, sometimes people don't even know that you are a follower of Jesus. No, Jesus wants our light to shine. Does that mean we become obnoxious? <laughs> no, I hope not. But hopefully it means we become attractive. We put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light, Jesus says, shine before others, so that they will what? See your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Back in uh, 2001, uh, the Lord led us in Chad to start a new ministry initiative at an area in the southeast of Chad. And uh, we started down there amongst an area where there's all 99.99% Muslim area. Uh, six unreached people groups down there where to that, to that point and even to this day there's really no church formed yet amongst them at all and very few believers now but at that point no known believers amongst those people and so we started this ministry amongst them and started seed planting bit by bit living amongst them finding ways to br build bridges across the community doing things like uh, uh, women's groups for gardening helping people get eyeglasses so they could read eventually developed into um, into doing wells and helping people to get good water and then into hygiene. And we'll talk a little bit about this on Wednesday night, uh, the, some of these ministries that we're involved in. Well, through all those years, and, and much heartache too, we lost, uh, some of you may recall that in 2008 we had an accident where three of our missionaries were killed in a road accident. And they were all in that ministry, in that area. Very, very difficult years. And yet now, this is 16, 17 years down the line, and we, were, we heard a statistic recently that when you go into a totally unreached area or you go into an area with totally hardened soil, like in Europe these days where they've been inoculated against the gospel, it may take 15, 16, 17 years before you st start seeing those first shoots of fruit coming up out of the ground. But you faithfully shine the light. You shine the light. You plant the seeds. You water the soil. You shine the light. You shine the light. And now in this area, we have the joy of seeing little fruits starting to pop up. And there is a family of ladies there. Uh, the, we, we call them Sally, Allie, and Callie. That's their, obviously their code names. <laughs> There's a family of ladies there who uh, live under the, under the care of their uncle. Their uncle is the richest man in town, a very influential man. And Sally through the testimony of, the, of our missionary ladies over the years, came to the Lord and gave her heart to the Lord probably about two, three years ago, I think. And, and as she was growing and being discipled, the Lord appeared to her and said to her, and when I said appeared, it was probably in a dream or a vision, appeared to her and said to her, Sally, I want you to stop telling people about me. Well, she's in a totally Muslim family, a totally Muslim area, and Jesus is telling her to start talking about him. So she does. 
In obedience, she starts talking about Jesus. Her uncle is totally humiliated and embarrassed. He's appalled that his niece has become a follower of Jesus. And so he starts to mistreat her. He starts to beat her, her daughter, a 12-year-old daughter, who also gave her heart to Jesus. And she, she replies to her uncle, you can beat me, but I'm still following Jesus. Just recently we heard, I read in a letter yesterday that just in the last few weeks both of them were thrown into prison because they went somewhere to some village and were talking about Jesus. And, um, and Chad, we do have freedom of religion. We're allowed to talk to people about Jesus, but the community was upset and so somebody accused them of something and they were put into prison. They weren't in for very long and they got out and had to pay a fine and so on. But they're, they're standing strong. As the persecution got more and more difficult, the Lord appeared to Sally and Gedit again and said, there are more people who want to hear about Jesus. Keep talking. Allie, the younger sister, one of the younger sisters, has also put her faith in Jesus. She has not come out into public yet. But because her life is so changed, she is a light shining just like Sally is. And the light, darkness can't put Sally's light out. Uh, people see Allie's light and they see her change. Uh, the change in her life, and they come and start talking to her about Jesus. If they go to Sally, everybody knows they're asking about Jesus. But if they go to Allie, then not everybody might know what they're talking about. And so they're talking to Allie, and she is a shining light for Jesus. Someday she will come out and, 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 uh, in public and make it known who she follows. Callie uh, wasn't following Jesus. She was having issues with her son who was bedwetting at 10 years old. They asked the missionaries to talk to her, and they came and prayed with her. They said, would you like us to pray for your son? Sure, pray for my son. They did, and he never wet his bed again. And when she saw how much Jesus cared about her and her little boy, she says, if Jesus cares for me that much, I want to follow him, if that's what he's done for me. And so she, too, has put her faith and trust in Jesus. And the light continues to go all around. One of their brothers went to Benin to study in the university. And guess who he met over there? He met more followers of Jesus. And they led him to the Lord over there. And he's now coming back to Chad and hopefully will be back in that village. Another brother who's starting to get up courage, he's a pharmacist in town, he's starting to get up courage to ask the right questions, coming to the missionaries at nighttime like Nicodemus saying, what do I do to be saved? He hasn't had the courage yet to actually step, but he's stepped over that line of faith. But he's thinking very, very deeply about it. God is at work. And it is so, so exciting to us. The, 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 the uncle threatened to burn the house down on Sally. And, and uh, so prayer went out all around the world for Sally, the God would protect her. And that night her uncle came and talked to her peacefully and quietly and just said, listen, just get out of my house. Go live somewhere else. Leave me alone. That's a lot better than burning the house down on her. And uh, the next morning she just, the next morning we heard she went to the local madras, which is like a Quranic school where they were teaching the ladies, asked the leader of the group if she could talk to the ladies about Jesus. And she said, yeah. And there she is in a Quranic class talking to these ladies about Jesus, the light of the world. It's just amazing what happens when the light comes in and begins to shine all around. It makes a huge difference. It's not always easy. In fact, sometimes it's downright difficult. But you know what? No one can put out light. Did you ever think about that? Light, when it exists, it's there. You can't shine darkness into the light to put out the light. The only, reason, the only way darkness can come back in is if somehow that light starts to get dim or lose its power or lose its, its source of, of, of uh, energy. And so in Luke chapter 11, Jesus, it's the same Sermon on the Mount. This is Luke's version of Jesus' 
uh, account, Luke's account of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, put it on, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light, but when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. So if you get sick and you have eye issues, get cataracts or other things, darkness begins to creep into your physical body because you can't see any longer. Jesus says, he's comparing that now to your, phys- your spiritual light. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So what Jesus was saying is that those of us who are the light of uh, the light of the world in Jesus' place now, those of us who have the light of Jesus in us, we must take very good care of our lamps to make sure that the light shines effectively in this dark, dark world. This is our mandate as a child of God. This is your mandate as a follower of Jesus. We used to use, uh, uh, much more than we do now, uh, kerosene lamps in chat a lot. Uh, maybe if you go camping, some of you still use kerosene lamps. But kerosene lamps are, are very f- finicky. You have to keep the wick trimmed really nicely. You have to keep it cleaned off. You have to keep the glass around it all clean. It gets all sooty, and then it doesn't shine very well. You have to use good fuel. If you put dirty kerosene on, you're going to get a very smoky flame, and the glass gets dirty very quickly. So just to maintain a, a kerosene lamp that actually does its job and shines brightly, you have to make sure you've got good fuel in there. You've got to keep your wick trimmed and uh, take all the carbon and the crud off, and you've got to clean the lamp itself. And that is such a beautiful image of our spiritual lives. As the light of the, as the lights of Jesus in this world, what kind of fuel do we put in our tanks? Huh? What are we watching on the television? What are we listening to on the radio? What kind of conversations do we partake in with our friends at work? Are they wholesome? Are they good? Or are we filling our minds and our hearts with crud? What about the little wick? Are we keeping that trim? Things build up in our lives that need to be dealt with. Angry words, you know, go on and on. Angry words or, or bitterness or, or perhaps uh, things that we have, things that we've made mistakes. We've gone to places on the internet we shouldn't have gone to. There's things in our lives that need to be cleaned up and taken care of. And then the dirty glass. That's, just, that's plain old confession. Take care of that sinfulness in our hearts. On a regular basis, we need to be dealing with the sin in our lives. Otherwise, the light in us will start to become dark. It can't put out our darkness. It won't take away our salvation, but it will make the light that is in us ineffective because it's being covered by darkness. So Paul exhorts us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 14. It says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Our lives do matter, and they will make a difference. Darkness cannot overcome light. The only way for darkness to take over light is if the light begins to come, become dim and it loses its source of power. So Proverbs chapter 4 tells us, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, 
which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Ann and I were at the beach a few uh, last week, was it the week before? I forget now. And we got up early to watch the sunrise, and it's just so beautiful as it becomes, gets lighter and lighter and lighter, and then all of a sudden the rays of sunshine break through the clouds. And uh, that is what the path of a righteous person does. It shines light, brighter and brighter, into the dark world around us. The rest of that verse in Proverbs 4 says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. How are they going to see what they are stumbling on if we don't shine the light of Jesus into their lives? If they don't see the truth? It's taken years in that town in the southeast of Chad for the light of Jesus to begin to help people really see the sin in their lives and deal with it and come to Jesus. The Word of God says, Psalm 119, verses 105 and 130, the word, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The unfolding of Your Word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Where's the fuel we get for our lights? It comes, dear friends, from absorbing ourselves in the Word of God. Day in, day out, keep yourselves in the Word of God. Assimilate it. Learn it. If you're a good memorizer, memorize it. If you're a bad memorizer, still try to memorize it. Uh, that's one of the things I struggle with, is memorization work. But keep on getting that Word of God into your hearts and into your lives. Whether it be in Chad or right here in the north suburbs of Adelaide, we're called to shine the light of Jesus' love and truth into the lives and the world around us. As Christians, this is not a choice. It is our mandate. It's something we have to do. Light and life are inseparable. Without light, people around us cannot find the light that can have finding Jesus. So let your light shine before others that they may, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. On Wednesday, we hope to share a few more things about what God is doing in Chad. Uh, Anne's going to talk about the work with the Acacia Ministry amongst vulnerable women and the light, the difference that light makes when it shines into their lives in very, very dark parts of the world in what we call the devil's bedroom. When the light of Jesus breaks through, it makes, enorm it makes all the difference in the world. So how are our lights doing today? You all are part of shining the light in Chad with us, through us, we trust. <laughs> and um, we hopefully are part of encouraging you to be a, uh, the shining lights for the Lord here in, in Adelaide and around this country as well. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you love us. And though we, as mankind, turned our backs and ran away from you, and plunged into darkness, you in your mercy and your great kindness and in your love reached down and rescued us. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. The light of the world penetrated into the darkness of sin and death and gained the victory. And because of that, Lord Jesus, we have light, we have life, we have hope in you. Those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Lord, if there's anyone here today who has not put their faith and trust in you and asked you for forgiveness and healing and found salvation, Lord, may this be the day that they turn to you and invite you, Lord, to be their king and their Lord, their light. Lord, for each of us today, we need to examine our own hearts and lives. How are we doing as lights in this world? We are all lights shining in different places around this city, around this country, around this world. Lord, we need to be very diligent about keeping our lamps clean, 
keeping them shining well. Help us to fill our reservoirs with good things so that the fuel that lights, that, that runs our lives would be good, strong, pure fuel that comes from your word and from the spirit in us. And Lord, when we mess up, when sin takes over, we make mistakes, may we be very quick, Lord, to trim those wicks, to clean those lamps, to confess our sins, for you are faithful and just and right to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, help us to do that, to keep short accounts. Lord, to do all we need to do to be shining lights for you so that people around us who are in darkness can see the light and can find through us and our lives the hope that is theirs in Jesus. Lord, this is our commission. This is our mission. This is our mandate. This is what you've called us to do. This is what this church is all about. This is what our lives are all about in this world is bringing the light of Jesus to others. And so we pray that you'd help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.